passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. He's staring a hole through Paul Heyman. Oh, oh wait, wait, What the heck? It's, it's Dolph Ziggler! Ziggler is just laying waste to the WWE Champion. Where did he come from? As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Welcome, everybody, to Rewind to SmackDown. I'm John Pollock. I'm sorry. I am John the Hammer Pollock, joined by Cowboy Wei Ting. Welcome to Rewind to SmackDown. Excuse me? Wei, this was the greatest feedback I have ever gotten. Uh, every week I get this uh, this notification of new feedback we get on on some on some particular service. And this comment was... The funniest thing I may have ever read in my life. Um, I can bring up the whole thing here. Uh, this was uh, regarding our wonderful chemistry together. These two perfect specimens of masculinity, John the Hammer Pollock and Cowboy Waiting, dropping that pure analysis straight from Tijuana. They leave you lying in a pool of your own inadequacies, and that's just too much for some of these crummy cellar dwellers. I feel like I've watched Braveheart every time I listen to one of their raw reviews. Keep bringing that pure audio, and he compares it to heroin. Oh my. Well, I don't know if that's a positive thing or a negative thing, because it sounds like it's dripping with sarcasm. It could be. I'll take it. I'll I'll take John the Hammer Pollock and Cowboy Waiting. Okay. Well, I kind of want to be the Hammer, but all right. Sure. Well... Maybe this will be. Can't, you can't swap nicknames. You're you're you accept what you're given. That's fine. Maybe this will be a recurring segment. If you can <laughs> amuse us with your ridiculous comments, we'll read it here. Yes, maybe. The, what, what, what what did he rate us? Oh, I think he gave us five stars. Okay, so that was nice. Well, that's good. So the bar has been set very very high, comparing us to heroin. Uh, Lots to talk about today. We're going to be going over SmackDown, taking your feedback and questions at the end of the show, and going into this weekend way, it's going to be a busy one. I am I am glad we're not going to Las Vegas. I'm glad we're going to be home and covering this from afar. I mean, this I'm, is just too overwhelming to look at all this stuff that's going on. I like the fact that I am not uh, getting onto an airplane in the next day or two to go to Las Vegas for the weekend. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think that's what we we don't really want to do. If we could teleport to Las Vegas and just go to all the events like Starcast, and then go right right to uh, Double or Nothing, and then come back to our our homes in order to you know continue with our regular routines, that'd be perfect. But travel just kind of makes things a lot more difficult. So 
this is uh, certainly I'll be I'll be happy to enjoy everything from home. We're having a bit of a party on Saturday, aren't we? Yeah. At my place. I don't know how much of a party these really are. Well, it's if too- it was just if it's just you and I, I would say whatever. But the Davy Portman is coming. Yes, I suppose. I, I, so it's want- it is a party. It is a party. I mean, I'm I, I'm gonna I'm I've I've already come up with party games. Uh, we're gonna play uh, uh, pin the tail on the developmental performer. Then uh, midway through, I'm gonna read the next month of uh, television spoilers for Davy. Uh, this is gonna be a lot of fun. It's going to be tremendous. Well, that sounds great, because uh, I'll probably just be on my laptop, uh, not saying a word to anybody, so it'll be quite the party. Okay, well, uh, I'll be spinning some records. It's going to be a great time. Uh, so looking forward to that this weekend. Um, you know, the fact that everything is available, I, I have no desire to be live for any... Like, it was cool to go to All In and be in the arena, but I'll say, if something is broadcast on TV, I don't need to be there live for it. Like, all these... Uh, the things that are happening on at StarCast, like I'm going to watch a bunch of them. I don't need to be there live. It's a lot easier for me to be at home. I don't have to worry about Wi-Fi. I don't have to worry about uh, being able to get my laptop into the arena, which was uh, my biggest feat to pull off at All In. And this way, I'm going to be in front of my TV. I can do all my work. Well, I think it's a, it's a wonderful setup. You're speaking from the perspective of somebody covering the event. So this is actually a work event. For, for you and you know as such it's way easier for you to do your job when you're not there having to kind of contend with press which press row which as far as i know still doesn't really exist at, at, at these events so um this is obviously easier for you but if you if you were going as a fan obviously it's very different you know yeah, I'd, I'd probably rather be there as a fan i will say though to the wwe's credit this year at wrestlemania it was the best setup i have ever had it was tremendous I had no complaints about, you know, sometimes there's been issues. There was one year I wasn't even given a, a desk to work on and just had to, <laughs> I had to watch it on the WWE network in this behind a wall. Uh, this year, though, I have no complaints. I thought it was a great setup. Well, all right. Great. Let's hope for the best next year as well. People want to hear this stuff. They want to, they want to appeal into, into our lives of, of what is, uh, what is going on. Um, let's quickly chat a bit about uh, our shows coming up this week. I'm going to quiz you, way. Name uh, our next 85 shows this week. Okay, well, um, tomorrow we have um, the latest uh, um, Double Shot. Correct. That's on our Patreon feed, and a lot to talk about this week. I mean, I feel like this will almost be a sort of a semi-preview for Double or Nothing, because we'll be chatting about the latest Being the Elite. If uh, The Road to Double or Nothing drops, uh, I'll probably be talking a lot about that content as well. SCU has released a training video. Another one. Oh. I don't know if you saw this, John, but they have. They've been I haven't seen that. it yet. So they've been gearing up a lot of last-minute preparations for Double or Nothing or Nothing Online, including uh, releasing this afternoon Hangman Page versus Pac, a match that was supposed to, to take place at Double or Nothing, but instead, uh, for various circumstances, uh, it is not. Instead, it took place in Nottingham, England. They aired the match today on uh, AEW's YouTube channel, and John and I will be discussing that as well. Uh, WWE had a number of offerings as well. Um, they put out a Becky Lynch 24 chronicling her, um, yeah, really her entire rise from being, you know, uh, steampunk Becky Lynch, uh, to, uh, rain dancing. Moral Ronaldo calling her matches in 2006 in extreme Canadian championship wrestling. Yes. I, yeah. Is it extreme or elite? Cause they credited it as elite. I think it was originally 
Well, ECCW. I thought it was originally called. Maybe I'm Whatever. confusing it. I think at one point that one iteration was extreme. Okay. I don't know why I have that. I think you're right like, too, but but at the end they they wrote elite. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, maybe they just, they just have elite on the mind. But you know her her progression from rain dancing Becky Lynch in the performance center to which the man that she is today. It was is quite compelling. And uh, as well, we'll be chatting about, uh, or at least I, I plan to talk about the Ali edition of Chronicle, which they did, uh, released on the network this week as well, uh, which I thought was very engaging and excellent. So. A lot of those things we'll be chatting about this week on the Double Shot. Um, Thursday, Up Next returns on their feed. Uh, it's a busy week for Up Next because also this weekend they are releasing a review of the first Pokemon movie. Are you a Pokemon fan, John? Huge. I'll tell you who's also, well, I'll tell you who's not a Pokemon fan. Nick Effin Gage. <laughs> I saw this. I didn't realize this was a Pokemon tweet, but I know the tweet you're talking about. For whatever reason, Nick Gage today decided to tweet out um, Nick Gage. Okay. I got to find Nick Gage's Twitter. Do you have it, John? I can I can get it for you if you, if you just want to uh, set up yeah. the context here for this, uh, this particular tweet. Anyway, he, Nick Gage basically cut a promo on all Pokemon lovers, all adult Pokemon lovers, and certainly on... Uh, uh, everyone's favorite Pokemon, Squirtle. So um, we'll see how Davey and um, uh, Brayden respond on their review of the first Pokemon movie. Get your feedback up there if you are a Pokemon fan. Um, also, Thursday, we have the double shot, or sorry, the Cafe Hangout, and that features this week uh, probably a bit more talk about Double or Nothing as well. Damian Abraham joins us because tomorrow, the very first edition of The Wrestlers debuts on Viceland. It's 10 o'clock, I believe, but I've heard somewhat conflicting reports. I believe it's 10 o'clock. But anyway, after every episode of... of uh, PVR, two hours on Viceland. Yeah. After every episode of The, of, uh, of the Wrestlers, uh, Damian Abraham, every Thursday, will be joining us to discuss some of the behind the scenes of making that particular episode. Tomorrow's episode on Viceland features Evolve, Gabe Sapolsky, and uh, many of the, uh, the, the, the incredible roster of two years ago that, that have all gone on to... To various things right now. Do you have that tweet for us? Okay, I have the tweets. The first one, I guess this is a picture of said man, Squirtle. And he says, what is this shit? Supposed to be you guys are fucked up. Is that an alien? And the follow-up was, what is Squirtle? That shit just doesn't sound right. Any man who knows what that is or that plays with some pookie man card has problems. Let's be real. Well, there you go. So, man. Nick Gage laying down the gauntlet on Pokemon fans. I can only imagine what the comments would be. That that must be something else here. Yeah, I'm guessing Pokemon wasn't that popular in jail uh, when he was there. So that's too bad. I'm sure he's getting quite the education from Pokemon. It sounds fans. like a great skit for spring break. Oh yeah, that'd be great. Uh, anyway, so that's coming out the uh, Thursday, and it'll be free on the archives and our YouTube channel on Fridays for everybody. As well, on Friday, on the Post Wrestling Cafe Patreon feed, we have our latest MCU review, Age of Ultron. Nate Milton joins us. It's going to be amazing. Wow. High hopes. I always have high hopes. I know it'll be great. And then on Saturday, our review of Double or Nothing uh, we're going to treat this one like it's a you know major WWE event, and therefore uh, we're, we'll be going live uh, in on YouTube right afterwards for our review for all Double Double Plus patrons 
for double or nothing. How perfect is that? Become a double du double plus patron and you can uh, join us live immediately immediately after double or nothing on Saturday evening for our post show. That will be released again for free for everybody afterwards. So full weekend here at Post Wrestling. That was some tremendous marketing on your part. And then Sunday night, we'll have a, an interview up with uh, Fred Ottman, the Shockmaster. So you can check that out. He's going to be up here in Kingston, Ontario in a few weeks for uh, Chinlock Wrestling's Legends Convention. All right. Locally, John, what else is happening this week? Yes, I uh, wanted to make mention that a good friend of the site, Danny Granger, is hosting uh, this art exhibit. He did one of these last year. It's called Art in Wrestling, and this is the, the second installment. Uh, it's happening Thursday night. If you're in Toronto, uh, it's going to be happening. Uh, the Super Kicked crew, they have their gym uh, down in Liberty Village at 66 Fraser Avenue, and that's where the exhibit is going to be happening. It's this Thursday night, 8 p.m. Uh, if you follow Danny Granger on Twitter, you've seen some of his work. Uh, what this man can do with a Sharpie pen would put any celebrity to shame, uh, that they can only sign their name with a Sharpie. What he does, uh, with his artwork is phenomenal and he's going to have uh, tons of artwork on display. Uh, it's also going for a great cause, um, uh, in memory of, uh, John Gale, who was, um, worked at, at a number of Toronto media companies and also was affiliated with, uh, super kicked, uh, died tragically earlier this year. Uh, so proceeds are going to that. And yeah, you can go check that out. 66 Fraser Avenue uh, this Thursday night and tell Danny you said hello. He's a good friend and supporter here at Post Wrestling. You can follow him on on Twitter at Danny Granger Art. G-R-A-N-G-E-R. Perfect. All right, let's uh, dive in where there is. I thought we were going to have like a kind of short news and then just more stuff just happened and happened. And there's a, a ton going on here. Uh we have to go back to revisit everything that's going on with uh, Ashley Massaro. TMZ reported on Tuesday that it's believed that Massaro uh, died of an apparent suicide. Uh, she was found hanging in her home. So just a tragic, tragic story involving Ashley Massaro. And for those that kind of want uh, the details about the allegations that she had made as part of the concussion lawsuit a number of years ago uh, with the affidavit that was recently just made public, it's a pretty harrowing tale uh, from Ashley Massaro in this affidavit where she's outlining this overseas tour she went on uh, with other members of the WWE back in 2006 and alleging that she was drugged and raped by a, a U.S. Army doctor, someone that was identifying himself as such. And in uh, Massaro's case, went back to the WWE and had outlined what had happened to her and was instructed to not go public with these allegations because of the relationship that the WWE has with the U.S. military. And, I mean, she did file this affidavit, which is, you know, it's a penalty under perjury to, to lie about such a thing. So I, I just think that you read this, and there is certainly the indication that at the very least, there needs to be an investigation going into this, speaking to the primary parties that were with her on this trip, and... Like names are named in this in this affidavit of who she was with, who she told, who was in the meeting uh, with with the WWE. Um, the WWE they issued a, a statement earlier this week, noting that after this concussion lawsuit was thrown out, which these charges were part of that concussion lawsuit, but the judge had ruled that those specific allegations were not uh, relevant to 
the nature of the suit, which was about the long-term effects of concussions. So they weren't really addressed and they were just eliminated from the case. And after the case was thrown out last September, Massaro did send an email to the WWE, in essence, apologizing for being part of the case. And uh, I'm paraphrasing, but stating that she was essentially poached for this case and it kind of took on a life of its own. And there is, there is an apology and she is very grateful to WWE, but in this statement, it is not her retracting her story or stating that she lied about it. So, I mean, that that's where the case is. There was a motion filed by the WWE where they had another side of the story that, they, that, uh, that Ashley had not, uh, indicated this to the company and that she had allegedly said after this that it was an improper pelvic exam that she was subjected to. So there are two sides to this, but I don't know if they're ever going to get to the bottom of this, but when you read this affidavit, it is pretty damning and like there needs to be some kind of investigation into this and finding out what exactly happened because it seems that even if you want to go with one side over the other, something improper occurred here and I feel that this is going to get um a lot of attention because of this the 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 nature of her recent passing and like th- these are pretty pretty big allegations. Yeah, absolutely. Um it's it's rather unfortunate that like I know these stories are very difficult because you don't want to get into any kind of speculation, but this mm. is like you like you just have to go with what is what has been said, like Ashley Massaro, like is, you know, was putting herself in, you know, the potential to, to perjure herself. If she were to be lying about this, I think that there are allegations that you at least have to look into. And I think the fact that there were other people there that Massaro alleges she informed about this, I think at the very least, you have to question these people and find out what, what exactly happened here. Yeah, I'm very curious to see what becomes of this. You know, uh, who 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 would be the parties leading the charge in 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 doing this investigation? Who are the parties that would speak up on behalf of Ashley? Um, the fact that you know this is coming out right now, I think, is it, it's it's unfortunate that you know something like this wasn't investigated beforehand, and that this type of information was not made public until now. Uh, because certainly having the public, you know, being made aware of it is going to be a, much of the driving force behind the pressure to get to the bottom of this. Um, so, yeah, I hope I hope justice is served. Uh, moving on, not easy to move on from a, a heavy story like that. Uh, we go on over to uh, Raw from Monday night. They did 2,521,000 viewers. I thought this, you know, most weeks way, it is just a repeat for us talking about the raw viewership and it's not a a rosy picture. And while, you know, you have to kind of temper your expectations for what is a a win, they were up 7% this week. And that's really notable because last week they had no NBA competition this week. They were going against the Portland golden state game that did 7,778,000 viewers. So they were up 7% and there, this was their highest number since the superstar shakeup on April 15th. And I think given the competition and the fact year over year, I mean, you remember the percentages we've been looking at of how big they've been down. 
Uh, this year, they were down 5% year over year from this week last year. So I think you have to look at this as a positive given what they were up against with the a big NBA playoff game. This was the biggest NBA playoff game Raw's gone against this year. Yeah, I mean, it. I do feel like it, we're grading things on a bit of a curve now, you know, just, Certainly. just going by what, what, what the recent trends are. But I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I think it also tells you, hey, they've at least managed to find some solutions to somewhat stop the bleeding. And that solution is obviously the 24-7 belt. It's the <laughs> biggest difference maker that they... No, I'm kidding. It's... I mean, it's... What do, you th- what do you think were the key factors to this number? Do you feel well, it was... Money in the bank itself, I think, you know, coming out of it with a great deal of news and, and new champions as well. You know, the shock of Brock Lesnar coming out. And I think Brock Lesnar being attached primarily to this edition of Raw, in my opinion, were the biggest difference makers. So... Again, it's not something that's sustainable, as we've seen with the Brock Lesnar title reign. And in fact, like, it's something that I think, you know, your typical wrestling fans will hate hate the idea of Brock Lesnar being involved with the company at all, much less being involved in the title picture. But you look at these ratings and, like, they kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, they they still did decline 14% from the start of the show to the end. But it was overall, I mean, a number that that held up much better than usual. So I think you have to look like in a, a pretty dark period of television viewership. I think that this was a, a ray of sunlight for them this week, given what they were up against and being up from last week where they had no NBA competition. Uh, Starcast has undergone some changes, obviously with Ric Flair out that has eliminated uh, several events, not just the roast of Ric Flair, which they have confirmed has been postponed uh, to a later date that they will uh, be running that at some point. Uh, Conrad Thompson did outline that it is postponed and not canceled. They are planning to do it um, at a time when Rick is healthy and able to travel. Rick was also going to be doing a panel on Thursday night with Ricky Steamboat and Jim Ross about their uh, series of matches from 1989. That has also been removed. And in its place is going to be a new panel called Remembering Owen that will be hosted by Jim Ross. And he's going to have a number of guests joining him, which is the 20-year anniversary of Owen Hart's passing. And StarCast has also announced, wait, maybe this is the moment where you really wish you were there live. Friday night, 7 p.m., a live watch-along of Ready to Rumble with Tony Schiavone, Shane Helms, and David Arquette. Oh my, wow. I I think it's a great idea. I mean, watch-alongs are, are simply, are, are obviously, you know, nothing new. But to watch one of the quintessential bad movies of our uh, wrestling culture with the leading star of said movie, that would be quite the experience. Um, Now, how long is the movie? Like an hour and a half? I don't know if I quite want to dedicate that much time to sitting in there, but at least for, you know, a good, like, a 30-minute chunk to, like, have David Arquette sitting there and having his commentary over this movie, I think that would be quite the experience. Uh. (laughs) Yeah, it would be. Maybe uh maybe DDP will show up. Maybe we'll get um what was that? what was the other guy's name? Was it uh Scott Can? Was he the co yeah, no the, the co star? Yes, yes, I think so. I, I I I think so. All right. Uh what else do we have here? Um following our Owen Hart audio documentary way, uh if you listen to it, uh you will have heard clips of Michael Landsberg's interview with Vince McMahon. This was their sit-down interview from July of 1999, and this Thursday, TSN is going to be posting this entire interview 
Uh, I believe it's going to be up on their site, so people can watch that entire interview on Thursday. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly a little bit, um, you know, pleasantly surprised that there's that much as much coverage of 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 uh, Owen Hart's 20th anniversary of his passing as as there seems to be this week. Uh, it, it, to the to the extent that even TSN is is you know releasing old footage. Like, what what precedent is there for something like that? Um. I, I don't know. I I hate to take credit, but I feel that our audio documentary was kind of what spurred this on to find this interview and, and post it. Yeah, wonderful. Cool. So, um, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of coverage this week. I'm doing a, a radio hit in Calgary on Thursday. I'm sure that there's going to be a lot of places, especially in Canada, that's going to dedicate coverage to uh, the 20 year passing. Like that was, It was a very enormous story back in 1999. Uh, AJ Styles was interviewed by Newsweek, and I just wanted to read you two of these quotes, Way, because I think you will enjoy them. This is the interviewer. Mr. McMahon implemented the wild card rule. Do you understand what it is? <laughs> and AJ's answer was, the way I understand it, it's first come, first serve. So if you're first, then so be it. That's the way it goes down. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be a reason behind it. I'm not sure what that'll be. I don't know if you can win a championship on Raw or SmackDown. Still don't know all the rules, but we'll find out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> then, poor then, guy. Oh, my God. He has to go out and do media to explain this concept. Uh, thank God this was done before the 24-7 rule was instituted. Listen, I, I think if you asked Vince McMahon himself that question, I don't know if he would have been able to give a better answer than something like that. I doubt they know themselves. But this this next one was just as good. Uh, He asks AJ about kind of taking the heel role in the match against Seth. And he says, I don't think I was a heel in that match. I'm just always aggressive as a babyface or heel. You'll always find that in AJ Styles. That's the way I work. I'm a bulldog, man. Oh, my God. Well, I'm glad he's found a home. He seems definitely uh, happy in the place that he's in and um, delivering the types of promos that he's delivering. So... I'm I'm glad he he's he's found um such a a good place within their system. And the most uh, newsworthy item of that interview is he stated that the recent contract he signed will be his last contract. He didn't reveal what the term was, how long he's going to be under this deal, uh but we'll see. Wrestlers always have an end date in mind, but when that end date gets closer, uh, I could go another year or two. So we'll we'll see with AJ and who knows how long this contract is. I mean, if it's a it's a five-year deal, then you're obviously talking about a significant um, gap or, until or he long, has. Or longer. Who knows? Who yeah. knows? I'm sure I'm sure they weren't just trying to lock him up for a year. So mm-hmm. I'm sure it's multi-years that he is under contract for. But at least as of now, he believes this will be the final contract that he signs. And uh, just tonight, as SmackDown was airing, they have announced the latest entrant into the Casino Battle Royale this weekend. And there was this mysterious figure who pulled the card, and it was the Ten of Diamonds. Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, is entering the Casino Battle Royale, and this is amazing. He was, if you remember, it was in February, he requested his release, and he was one that was granted his release, and they released him on February 22nd, and his 90-day non-compete expires less than 48 hours before the show that clears him to do Double or Nothing on Saturday. That really is amazing, and I wonder how much of that was strategic on uh, anybody's part. Um, Seems almost too perfect to be true, but 
as far as the announcement itself, um, I, I really like the videos that they've been releasing. It's not just the Sean Spears one, but uh, they also did ones for Glacier. Uh, um, Sunny Days was another one that they released on, on AEW's. Uh, they're very slick produced. I really liked uh, the one with uh, Sean Spears pulling out the 10 card. However, I think seeing his placement on the card, I mean... Being on the on the battle roll is really not not such a bad thing at all, but I also wouldn't say that he seems to be coming in in a main event level at all, and I think that's totally fine. Like you know, in the end, he coming in as Ty Dillinger, that's not deserving of a Kenny Omega, you know, main event slot or anything like that. So I'd like to see what he has to offer to AEW. Do we? We don't really know if this is a full time contract or anything, do we? No, it's just he's announced for the match. Just the match. So I, I'm I'm curious to see how much more he does. I think the expectation is that he stays on. Yeah, he's uh, there is an interview up. Uh, Justin Barrasso has an interview with him at SI.com. So you can go. Uh, I just kind of skimmed through that. So maybe he gave some more uh, clarity to his role with AEW. So you can go check that out. And the final thing, the Best of Super Juniors resumes on Wednesday. And this is the point of the tournament where you are either in it for the long haul or you you are going to fall out because over the next five days there are going to be 40 matches they are doing 10 matches per day with wednesday thursday friday at core q and hall and then they have a day off saturday and resume sunday with another 10 match card uh, this is going to be very trying for people to try and keep up if they've been doing uh doing so far uh keeping up with the tournament way yeah unfortunately i'm going to be one of those who's probably going to fall off and perhaps rely on you know somebody like wh park who will uh, guide me to tell me what the highlights are of every single day um just way too much content right now all right so let's dive into smackdown as we talk about more content because they had two hours of it on tuesday night from my favorite arena in the country the dunkin donut center from providence rhode island it's a good one this yep. was enormous this was a big deal Shane McMahon started the show off in the back on his phone. Elias walked in and apologized for money in the bank. And I was thinking, this guy has nothing to apologize for. He blamed the audience for making him emotional, and he offers to be in Shane's corner at Super Showdown. And Shane tells him, that's all right, I'm good. And Shane says, I will be in your corner tonight, Elias, when you take on Roman Reigns. So that is the promise tonight. Let's keep the audience with the promise that you're going to get your Roman Reigns Elias match that you were so cheated out of on Sunday. Sure. Yeah. Um, for a TV match, I really can't complain. Uh, it's, it's, it's totally fine. And judging by the results of it, I thought they actually did a good job. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods came out and they announced later tonight, Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn non-title and underneath this, uh, this cover they revealed a man who was supposed to be Big E and was not Big E. They said that he is—he looks like Big E if he had gone through the dryer. And then they kicked him out and sent him to the back. I'd like to really know who this person is. He came out not only, you know, half the size of Big E, but also with comically ashy knees. Um, I'd like to dub this man Ash E. Oh, boy. That was funnier than the skit. And then they brought out the real Big E, uh, who was joined by his left knee brace that he had on. The ring was all decorated for his return, and they laughed about Kofi KOing KO at Money in the Bank. And that prompts Kevin Owens to come out, followed by Sami Zayn. So we're at 
Sami Zayn's a raw guy, correct? I've been keeping track all episode. I've 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 been making I've been drawing uh tying ropes around my fingers for each uh member of the of the raw roster here on a wild card visa. And yes, Sami Zayn qualifies as one. I I just I laughed out loud today because our one of our loyal listeners, uh John Sino, Sino Evil, asked us. Did you guys not remember that Lars Sullivan was a SmackDown guy who we saw on Raw Monday night? No, for the life of me, I did not. I did not think of that for a second. Watching Lars Sullivan on Monday, that he was a SmackDown guy, that did not make it into our count. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. And I think judging by like the lack of, like usually when we make a mistake like that, we hear from pretty much everybody. And I, I really maybe I heard from two people today. So I wonder how much of our audience is really aware either. So Owens is out with Zayn and they complain about uh, Zayn complains about Biggie getting this huge celebration when he was only out six weeks and he was gone for so much longer. New Day uh, constantly refers to him as Sam and they sing that what they've got for him is nothing. Owens hands the mic to Zayn and just leaves. And this was the end of Kevin Owens all night. We never saw him again. He just walked off. Yeah, there's an insinuation that he was involved in something backstage, but we don't see him, and and that's absolutely uh, peculiar as well. Yeah, because he had no involvement in the Zayn match later on. We just never saw him afterwards. Zayn cut a promo defending Owens' loss at Money in the Bank, and he complains about the fans and gets cut off by Woods playing the trombone, and Kingston warns him not to let the smile, pancakes, and swiveling hips fool you. They will throw down and he's going to walk through Sami Zayn, which he did pretty much do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought the segment was good. I think uh, Big E being away to me was a bit of a blessing in disguise because I think, you know, freshening up the the act a little bit with a, with a sm- small hiatus is not always a bad thing. In fact, it, it tells you how much Big E is missed. Really, it tells you how much any single member of the New Day is missed when one of them is away. Because this, to me, does not work without three people involved. So, you know, even somebody like Xavier Woods felt like he basically didn't exist while Big E was away. So I think the return of the chemistry between these three is definitely something that's been missed. And really, in this segment, it felt like it was somewhat the first time we've been seeing a full New Day as a main event act with Kofi Kingston being their champion. So I, I thought it was also interesting how you could, you could note that Kofi didn't really partake in too much of the silly stuff. Instead, he's the guy who plays the leader of the group right now, and he's the one almost keeping them in line from being too out there. He's the one who's telling Sami Zayn, you know, enough with all the joking. Tonight, I'm going to kick your ass. And I think that's very important to maintain. Drake Maverick was handing out posters looking for R-Truth. Meanwhile, Carmella's in the back looking for R-Truth. And she finds him disguised in a blonde wig while holding his 24-7 title. And she takes him into a room and goes over the rules. And Carmella asks him, why did you even show up here tonight? And he said, I can't do this without you. Can you help me? And she takes him off to go hide. Is that an option that, that wrestlers, if you have a belt or just in general, you, you have the option of not showing up to work? Yeah, it's the Brock rule. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Truth, yeah. Truth uh, mistook that this title meant that if you held it for 24 hours with seven more to go, it makes you permanent champion. That was pretty clever. If anyone's going to get this over, it's going to be our truth 
definitely. This this feels like it's definitely a vehicle for a character like his to make the most out of. So, you know, you can expect him to sort of be like the Joey Ryan of this belt, like like Joey Ryan was for the DDT belt. Ali versus Andrade was our first match of the night. Early on, uh, Ali hit a reverse Rana, and then he flipped off the top and got drop kick coming down. They came back, Ali hit a suicide dive, followed it with a Topican hero, and then Ali gets attacked on the floor, beats the count in, he takes the three amigos, and it's Andrade working over Ali's back. Ali gets run into the barricade back first, he gets tossed into the timekeeper's area, he struggles and gets in at nine as the fans cheer, and then Andrade hits the running double knees, but instead of hitting it the usual way, he runs into the back of Ali and only gets a two count. And then as he's lifting up Ali, he gets cradled, and Ali gets the surprise pinfall at the end of the match, and he upsets Andrade. I thought this was a really effective underdog babyface win for Ali, especially coming off of watching that edition of Chronicle, which sadly they made zero mention of on this edition of, of, of SmackDown, to my knowledge at least. Like, if you saw that, you just come out feeling like this company has one of the best personal stories uh, for a baby face of, of anybody on their roster, like former cop, somebody who, you know, has been, uh, you know, based on the way he looks and his, and his religion has been kind of put in these like shitty, uh, stereotypical gimmicks throughout his entire career. Now, finally getting to represent, you know, uh, breaking stereotypes. Um, I, I just think it's, and you see him with his family, like there's, it is just an incredible, wonderful babyface story, and sadly, no mention of it on this show. But if you see that followed up with the performance that he gave here and the win that he had as a great babyface, I think you just have like a real affection for this guy. And I thought Ali and Andrade did a wonderful job here. Unlike Ricochet on Monday, you know, these are two very similar, similar characters, Ricochet and Ali. But unlike Ricochet, you have an injured underdog that comes into this match and he wins. He doesn't just lose. They could have used the excuse of Ali being injured and have just have had him lose this match. But instead, they, they gave him some really great comeback moments. That count-out tease after that Beal over the barricade to the fl- floor was, I think, one of the best ones I've seen in WWE, at least. So Ali did a great job there. And I thought that he was going to lose this match. So he kicked out of the double knees. And then instead won the match. So I thought it was a match that really helped elevate him. I don't disagree with anything you said. I just look at what is the story you're trying to tell here? And why was this Andrade here that is being built up for a title match? I would be fine with this if by the end of it, Ali gets something out of this. You okay, mean, he's, getting, he's getting the title shot now. So you mean the Balor match? Yes. Yeah, that's... I mean, that's an interesting question. How much follow-up would, do you think would... I don't even know. Well, he's what doing the Saudi Arabia one? That's a very good question. You know, somebody like has. I don't to... like ever. I loved the match. I thought it came off well. Every point you made was accurate. But you are the guy who you chose to be the the person that he overcomes here is the one that does have a story that does have a title chase and is being built up to challenge for the title and nothing after this. And I well, don't have much faith that this is going to be a win that ultimately matters. And I think that's it's a small example, but it's of a larger issue of these wins and losses not mattering that I feel Andrade is just going to get this title shot anyway. Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he's inserted into this match uh, and they'll go that way. But I just feel it's Andrade's had enough losses going into this. It's been like the running joke for this Balor program is 
how many times this guy has lost in order to get this title match. And I just didn't think needed to be afforded another one here. Sort of one of the problems they have, though, where they only have so much TV time. Everybody wants to get a match on TV and nobody can afford a loss because everybody's building up to some program. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I think, you know, next week, if Andrade simply gets his win back over Ali, then that'll be really unfortunate. But at least this week, it seems like they are doing something with Ali. Um, and what that means yeah, for Andrade, I, we'll see. I feel they view certain people like they want to maintain a certain level of stars reserved for their television show that is going to be in a two segment match because you could have thrown a Jinder Mahal in here, but I don't think that they wanted to throw out Jinder Mahal for this long. And therefore, well, who's we're going to a much smaller, even though we have all this talent on the roster, we have a very small pool of talent that we feel are going to captivate people to stick around for that long. And therefore, Andrade qualifies and we'll beat him here. But I think you do have bodies. You have a whole division now of these extra bodies that I think can be used for this kind of a role. That you could have told the exact same story of Jinder Mahal beating down this undersized underdog. And I think it's a... Well, who's going to want to watch that match? Well, it's that's for what you're seconds. arguing here is you're going... F- well, I you're you're weighing people tuning out of a Jinder Mahal match versus... You know, doing damage to a story that you are actively in the midst of telling with Andrade and someone else who wasn't even involved on the show tonight. My feeling is that they would rather sacrifice perhaps their long, long-term long storytelling to make sure that this segment doesn't die with a Jinder Mahal-Ali match. Um, and maybe they bank on the idea that people are going to forget who won or who lost anyway. And that's, you know, certainly a problem, but they've kind of conditioned their audience to to watch their wrestling that way. Graves then plugged the Golden Corral that was all over this with the tagline, Join us for endless ribs. Huh. Remember when we went to Golden Corral in New Orleans? Vaguely. Yeah, didn't we see Bob Holly there? Bob Holly was there. John Cena's dad was there. Yep. It was quite the, uh, the star-studded affair at Golden Corral. Carmelo was applying hairspray to R-Truth and telling him that RuPaul would be so proud. And then she handed him a bra, which he needed assistance unhooking. This is the type of comedy that, that I think, you know, this belt is designed for. And then this R-Truth character is designed for. Listen, it's like, it's not for everybody. Certainly, I, I don't think it'll be for, for you personally, John. Um, but I think we're already... I, I don't, I didn't mind any of these R-Truth segments. Okay. So, you know, there you go. Like, I think what we feel like, this has already kind of been what I... I think this was supposed to be, which is something for everybody sitting in the back to chase something for them to do when otherwise they would have nothing to do on a show like this. So we've already not seen, you know, not, not just seen our uh, truth and Carmela do something with it, but a lot of their social media has been very active with uh, members of the roster doing their 24 seven title bits um, on dot com today on, and their YouTube. Uh, they've had like Drake Maverick on his social media printing out these posters and handing out these posters all day looking for our truth You had, you know, somewhat uh, uh, somewhat amusing videos involving, like, Matt Hardy, the Singh Brothers, Heavy Machinery, all kind of devising their plans about how to hide to catch our truth So at least their day was not completely wasted showing up to re- uh, the, the wrestling show today. And even Kathy Kelly is, like, working this, like, social media storyline where she's buttering up the referees because she intends on uh, winning the 24-7 title. So... 
I'm not looking at this belt as anything more than that. You know, it's something for the main event roster, like the TV show main event. The TV show main event, yes. To to grab onto. Uh, Reigns has been nominated for Best Real Life Hero for the MTV Movie and TV Awards. I want to know the whole list of awards. Is there an award for Best Fake Life Hero? Um... Like this Iron Man? Real, like this is a real-life hero. Yeah, maybe. Like, you know, fictitious and real, I guess. They didn't mention who he's up against. What other real-life heroes is he facing? Um, that This should be a future show. You and I are going to go through the nominations for the MTV Movie and TV Awards and make our picks. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder if I'll have time for that. Sure. That would be fun. Mandy Rose and Carmella was next. There is now an official Sonya Deville Put Your Hair Up and Square Up t-shirt. Good for her. It just, just so happens that Christmas is in seven months, everyone. Carmella should, comes out. They should be selling, like, hair. Like a, yeah. Like a yeah. Like, yeah. The, well, she left her merchandise in the, in the ring the other night, remember? Yes, that's right. Her weave got knocked out. Well. Carmella, Carmella came out with our truth in his wig, and Tom Phillips pointed out that he is now on national TV hiding. Saxton joked that he uh, looked like Michael Hayes. And then Carmella kicked out of a roll-up, and then all the geeks ran down. Led, leading the charge was Brian Kendrick. And Truth put Carmella on his back and just ran out of the arena. And the match ended without any finish, and R-Truth was on the run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Graves and Saxton then argued, and like at one point Graves called Saxton a sissy, and then he couldn't stop laughing about it. I don't know if it was like some inside joke or or something. I'm sure it was, but uh, they were having fun. Kayla Braxton interviewed Bailey. She said everyone doubted her, and Bailey has moved past the hugs, and she wants everyone in the locker room to bring their best. So this is not a, a Bailey uh, heel turn. This is just Bailey with more of an edge now. She's uh, oh, she's not going to be. She's a bulldog. She's a pit bull. Or whatever she is. Same as AJ Styles. She's not a heel. She's just more she's more aggressive as I think they recognize, you know, that she's gone from hugs to pugs. <laughs> Very good. She yeah. Um I guess the part of the their feeling with the ba- Bailey character that maybe they considered something that wasn't working was that she was too friendly and not aggressive enough as a competitor. This seems to be their way of addressing that. Then Truth and Carmella are running. They go into the female locker room and then quickly run out. And then the whole procession runs down, including Matt Hardy, who has entered the 24-7 division. So we know where Matt Hardy's at right now. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. We know who's not in there. And that's Sami Zayn, who just watches them pass by and pretty much says to himself, well, I'm glad I'm not one of those guys. Exactly, yes. He walked by and he just took a, a giant sigh of relief that yeah. he is uh, not on running duty with uh, former WWE champion Jinder Mahal among the pack as well. Drake Maverick is also, um, the gag is that he's the guy at the end who try, who's trying to catch up but is totally out of shape, so he's always cramping. I can definitely, like, after two nights, it does feel like Drake Maverick is one of the featured people here that I think, along with R-Truth, could do very well in this role, and he could very much um, assimilate into the Crash Holly role when he wins this thing, and it's just the idea, like, here's the guy that will get killed by anyone, and it's just um, a run for his salvation. He would be great at that. Elias is outside of the Dunkin' Donuts Center, awaiting Reigns. 
And we went to our non-title match between Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn. And we go to the back. Big E has been attacked. And he's yelling out, Owens! And Woods is going to stay in the back with Big E. And I... I like this by the end of this segment that they paid it at least enough attention to this detail. Yes, absolutely. It's a way to have Kofi to come out here to do this on his own and not have the assistance of the new day. Yeah. And also uh, somewhat giving him motivation to have this match with Sami Zayn. Kingston was sent to the steps. They came back from the break. Zayn hit a superplex and then Kingston hit a double foot stomp in the ring, a back suplex landing on his feet and the trouble in paradise for the win. It was a rather quick match. And then Paul Heyman walked out with the briefcase and there couldn't have been one fan that took this seriously, that Brock Lesnar was here at the Dunkin' Donuts Center. Yeah, I mean, I certainly didn't, but, you know, I think uh, I think some some members of the audience might, might. And I mean, like, maybe maybe some of the younger audience members, maybe some of the audience members that simply just don't watch that much wrestling or, or don't understand that the, the Brock Lesnar wouldn't, would, probably wouldn't be appearing on their B-show. Yeah. And they cut to Kofi, and the camera is in tight on Kofi so that you can't see Dolph Ziggler enter the ring and attack Kofi Kingston. He is back. He destroyed Kofi. He placed a chair around his neck and drove him into the desk, and then the officials were out. He stomped the chair around Kofi's neck, and it ends with Graves saying that he cannot think of any logical reason why Ziggler would do this. It makes no sense to Corey Graves why Dolph Ziggler would, would attack this guy. And it's the return of Dolph Ziggler after his hiatus, and he is back. Yes, it is Dolph Ziggler, who I think you just answered a question about yesterday about his whereabouts. Yeah, well, here uh, we go. He was, was en route to Providence. Fresh off the stage um, at your local comedy uh, center to uh, a title match in uh, Saudi Arabia. I really don't mind Dolph Ziggler as a choice for Kofi's next challenger. I think, you know, he's obviously coming in with zero fanfare, zero interest. So it was really up to him to kind of drum up any type of hype for his return through his performance in this butte down, which I give, you know, about like a eight out of 10, seven and a half, maybe out of 10 in terms of intensity. I thought overall he did a good job, but the, you know, you have to recognize there's only so much he can do as a match. This is a match that has less hype than even the Kevin Owens match. Um, but that's kind of the point of this Kofi reign, at least how I see it, you know, for the next several months until SummerSlam. He's just here to rack up successful title defenses to make his reign mean something. It's kind of like Okada having to defend his belt against, you know, a bunch of like almost everybody on the on the New Japan roster. Um, I don't think you should be giving away your marquee matches until your A shows like a SummerSlam. So at the very least, I think you want for a Kofi Kingston opponents who might be able to deliver in ring with him. And for a throwaway show like the Saudi Arabia show, I, I, I think Dolph is a fine choice. So this title program is going to either exceed or be equal to the WrestleMania program with Daniel Bryan. <laughs> That's how it's being promoted. That's what they said. Well, we know it'll make more money than that match. I didn't have much reaction to the angle. I was kind of like you that, okay, you're going to put Dolph Ziggler in this role. That's fine. And... Someone threw out to me like the idea of had this been just your your launching point for someone like a, a Buddy Murphy, and I feel that just doing Buddy Murphy cold maybe wouldn't have been the answer. But he has been on this show now for over a month and could have been 
slowly being introduced and getting built up or even an Alistair Black. And I think that that would have had way more impact just because it's someone fresh. It's someone new that I think this audience is, is so starved for to get in the main event scene. And Dolph Ziggler is just it's another rerun of a program that you're right. Not a person is buying Ziggler winning the title and him winning the title would not be something anyone is advocating for either. And I think that that is not great for Kofi that, you know, it's nothing against Ziggler. It's just, he's, he's done this time after time. And it's just, it's, it just does not feel like anything new. And you do have some new blood on this show that I think would be really engaging to the audience that very much at the moment wants to be engaged by new things. I don't completely disagree, but in both of those cases, I don't think they want to have Alistair Black lose right now. And I, you know, I disagree with the idea that, you know, simply having them lose their first title challenge in any way really hurts them. I think it's fine. Maybe I wouldn't do Alistair Black though, but if it was Buddy Murphy losing his first title title challenge, I don't think that's such a bad thing, but um, I think they, they would rather protect your up-and-coming guys, whereas they see Ziggler as somebody who can afford multiple losses. Like, if it... I, I think with Buddy Murphy, I think it would have been very hard to pull this off if we have not seen Buddy Murphy on TV for a month and he just showed up like this. But had he, after the Superstar shakeup, had just quietly been winning matches every single week on TV, and then this is the big angle, you'd have a little bit of buzz here that, okay, they've built him up for six weeks... That's just that's the old way that Vince McMahon Sr. would in, would bring in the heel and well, they, he'd just go through guys and then he'd get the match with Bruno at the end. And it would just be, you know, you're not going to necessarily be successful, but there's that logical answer of why this guy. Well, we've just seen for the last six weeks why it's this guy. He's been slowly building himself up and now we've got a match that's kind of compelling because this guy's on a, a winning streak, which six weeks in WWE, that's a hell of a win streak these days. Well, not only that, they've actually done that exact same thing, but with Lacey Evans. Somebody who's coming in without any type of, you know, real notoriety, but has uh, come out uh, challenging the the champion and then been getting some some wins. I can't even really say her, her rise to the title contention was really filled with strong wins. But nonetheless, like she's being put directly from NXT into a title program. You could have done that with Buddy Murphy. I think the problem is, does Vince McMahon know who Buddy Murphy is? Well, that is a bigger problem. Um and he's, I mean, they've had nothing for Buddy Murphy since he's moved over here. None. Like, he's he's got nothing going on at the moment. I fear that guy's going to end up in the 24-7 lot. Oh, that'd be, so, that'd be really sad. But, you know, like, I mean, Ziggler is just a, a, a hand they could trust. He's very much like Big Show or Kane in that you can kind of pull him from obscurity at any time to make him a credible contender. Uh, and I say credible maybe sort of in a loose sense because I don't think anybody buys Kane or Big Show winning championship matches at this point either. But Ziggler, you can always count on his promo to at least drive some interest, which is what we mm. saw later tonight. Well, we'll get to the promo. Um, this also seems to tie up the the whole thing that we had laid out the night uh, last night on Raw. That this seems like this is a logical reason why Kofi should not be on Raw Monday night because he's injured and opens the doors for Brock and Seth to go off and do their program. And it's not a way that it's like Brock is choosing one title over the other. Kofi is now wrapped up in his own program. He's going for revenge. See, and wouldn't so make, I, I thought they they tied that up well. Wait a second. Wouldn't it make wouldn't it make more sense for Brock to choose Kofi knowing that he's injured? Come on, way work with us here. 
you, you can't you can't uh, apply that that level of thinking to, to this at all. Kofi just, Kofi won't be there at Raw, so Brock physically can't cash in. What do you mean? The Money in the Bank next Monday, but he's cashing in at Saudi Arabia. Do you know that Kofi won't be there? Because I I mean at Raw, well he shouldn't be. He should be in a neck collar in a hospital somewhere on Monday. I just, okay. To sell this injury. Well, we know, like you know, judging by the success of the, of uh, Brock's appearance on Raw, we know you're you're they're going to be dragging the tease of whether or not he'll be choosing Seth or Kofi throughout the entire show. So you you just ruined the segment for me. You just like I'm trying so hard, and you just destroyed it because we established with Paul Heyman the tease at 20 minutes before this. So where the hell was Brock during this moment when Kofi's dead? That's a very good question. And why why did they have Heyman do the tease on the show? Why the fuck was Paul Heyman on this just, show when you were going to do this angle? Well, I think the logical explanation is that Brock actually wasn't there and Heyman was just here to play. Yeah, 20 minutes ago, he was in the actual segment. No, no, no sorry, I'm one- sorry. I meant Brock. I meant Brock. Brock was not in attendance and it was just Heyman. So Paul Heyman flew all the way here he just to screw with Kofi. Yes. To, to what end? Mind games. Oh. To fuck with the baby face. All right. Well, I generally I, like I, the I'm, angle. I'm not even out here to like defend them. But, but, but like, they made this harder than it needed to be. I don't think Paul Heyman needed to be part of this. I like the tease. I thought it, it, it keeps you keeps in mind that, hey, like at any time, Kofi Kingston or Seth Rollins could be cashed in on. And I, I it was quick and didn't really, to me, didn't hurt. It just pointed out to me that... It can't happen at any time because Brock isn't showing up willy nilly at these shows. It can happen at any time whenever Brock decides to show up. We didn't. We don't know that Brock isn't there, but I think coming. Yes, out we do it, because he would have been an idiot if he didn't cash it in here. This guy was down on a stretcher. Yeah. Okay. But at the time, you didn't know that Brock was there when Paul Heyman showed up. That was the idea. As long as you, to keep Kofi Kingston on his toes, that's what Paul Heyman was trying to do. Okay, but I, I'm not looking as though I'm in this world, and these are these are real. How are you looking here. at? I'm looking at why was this scripted the way it was to introduce Paul Heyman here. When you're doing I don't this know angle what you next, want me to say because the character's motivation was to fuck with Kofi Kingston. I, I'm not sure what other reason I'm supposed to give for that for it. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, another simplistic uh, storyline twist. Kayla this, interviewed. This is going to tear us apart. This, uh, this, uh, uh the logic. Yeah, WWE's logic is going to drive a, a large wedge between the two of us, and then we'll, we'll have to go on separate shows. But don't worry, we'll have our own rule so that we can just go back and <laughs> forth every time. And then maybe, um, maybe I'll, I'll say that we, we can do the show together at your place, and I'll come over, I'll knock on the door, and then I'll run onto the elevator so when you open the door, I'm not there, and I'm playing mind games on you. And there's no show. Some, I'm sure that makes a lot of sense. Your neighbors will love you. Uh, <laughs> Reigns walks. Reigns is just wandering into this arena at about 9 p.m. in a hoodie. This guy looked like the drifter. No wonder he's late. He, does, he doesn't even have tr- transportation here to the building. And he hears a guitar playing. And Elias is standing on top of a production truck playing a song. Calling Reigns dumb and jealous, and it is time to take the big dog for a walk. Yeah. And Reigns just like shrugged his shoulders and walked away. <laughs> this was the strangest layout of a scene. 
I think they were just looking for a cool visual. It was and a cool visual, I guess. Uh, let's get him on top of that truck. I was waiting for Elias to jump off onto the big dog. Oh my, wow. That would have been bad. Kayla interviewed Becky Lynch, and she asked her, Becky, what's your state of mind after losing one of your titles? I feel wonderful, Kayla. It's awesome. Now when I go through baggage claim, I only have one item to declare instead of two. It's great. I feel wonderful, Kayla. Wonderful question to really take the viewers into my mind and let them know what I'm thinking about. She said that she does not feel right without her blue belt, but if there's one person she's glad has it, it's Bailey. And Bailey is there and says, I really like the sound of Bailey two belts. And Becky warns her that after this tag match, I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. But she didn't actually do after this tag match. They just celebrated. Well, she doesn't have the briefcase, you see. No. So, yeah. I, I mean, I thought this was the way they scripted, you know, uh, a champion who, a babyface champion who just lost her belt. She's she's somewhat depressed, yet at the same time, not completely antagonistic towards the person who won it because she's her friend. It 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 felt sound. Do you think that Becky and Bailey is something that they can go to? Yes. Maybe uh, like a SummerSlam program? Well, we know Survivor Series is always whatever, champion versus champion, right? So maybe they'll do it then if they both hold belts long long enough. I don't even see that happening, though, especially for Bailey. Um, I don't know if they know what they want to do. So Someone pointed out last week about the Survivor Series <laughs> that Becky was going to have to wrestle herself at Survivor Series. Wow. But they alleviated that problem. Becky and Bailey versus Charlotte Flair and Lacey Evans. Uh, they had control of Bailey until she attacked Flair with a clothesline and then tried to tag as Charlotte pulled at her leg, but Bailey still made it. Uh, and then Becky climbs to the top. Missile drop kick. This is the third straight time she is not connected with this thing, even though Tom Phillips said she did. So who do you this, blame? Uh, it was definitely not Becky's fault on Monday. That was Billy Kay was, was not in position. This one just seemed like she came up short. And what I'm worried is, is that she's going to be conscious about this and she's going to Otani someone in the near future to make sure it connects and she's going to kill someone with this. Mm. We'll see. Becky then went after Lacey Evans on the apron and was left prone for the running boot. And then the roll-up gets countered. Charlotte uses the rope but kicks out. And then Evans is in, hits the woman's right, and Becky is not out cold. Instead, she just tags Bailey. And Bailey comes in, knocks Evans to the floor, and then cradles Charlotte in five minutes and wins the match for the team. So Bailey pins Charlotte twice in three nights. Yeah. I'm guessing she didn't get all of that woman's right. Like, Monday was the same. Or was it Sunday? Yeah, the, was it Sunday? Yeah, this was like the adolescent right. <laughs> Wasn't yes. a fully grown adult right yet. <laughs> I, I like the TV match, and maybe, you know, my, my viewing of it is somewhat skewed because I thought it was so much better than Monday. Uh, obviously, when you have Charlotte and Bailey there, instead of the Iconics, you're going to see a great difference in quality. Uh, I like that they continued put pairing Charlotte and Lacey together. I almost feel like it's too bad Lacey is not starting off her run under Charlotte on SmackDown because I think it's a great way to you know, hide her in these tags and also just to gain experience being next to Charlotte a lot. Um, 
But, you know, we'll see if they continue. But I do like the team of the two of them together. And I think the, the you know, Bailey getting another strong win over Charlotte is great. You know, she's, despite being champion, she's still very much in rehab mode because there's a lot of work to be done to wipe away the memory of the past two years of Bailey on Raw. Yes. So, and like, to be honest, like the women, I, I wonder how focused upon their programs are going to be over these next two weeks because I don't think anyone is assuming there is going to be uh, any women's matches coming up in two weeks. Thankfully, it's only one more week, right, before Saudi Arabia show. Well, they've they've got two weeks of TV. They have next week and the following week. Oh, two more weeks. Okay. Yep. Well, yeah, we'll see. After that, Jinder Mahal is fighting R-Truth in the back. Um, apparently, R-Truth and Carmella have been running outside the arena for 30 minutes until they finally reach the exit. And they get jumped by the B-team, who then argue over who should pin R-Truth, allowing R-Truth to recover and fight the two idiots off. And R-Truth escaped. That was the last we saw of him of the night. He's apparently still running, and he's probably made it to Boston now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so thus ends at least this this week's iteration of this. But now what I'm really curious to see is where they take it once SmackDown and Raw are over, do they continue on social media? They should media? definitely do s- some stuff on, uh, absolutely. Like, they should yeah. do something at the house shows this weekend. They should be doing, li- like, I hope at TV this week, they taped several little uh, segments to post throughout uh, the week. House shows are perfect. You know, you get somebody out there to with the, even just with the cell phone to shoot, like, a bunch of title changes. It makes, at least the house shows, somewhat relevant. Um, and I think you can have a lot more fun being creative. I'd love to see them take it outside of the arenas and like in your everyday settings. I'm sure that's, you know, obviously what the, what the title is about. Um, so I, I, I look forward to seeing if they do any of that. They need to get our truth on some talk show. That'll take them and do a title change on like a talk show. That'd be, yeah, absolutely. Sarah Schreiber is with Dolph Ziggler backstage and he's not going to give an answer as to why he did what he did here. So he takes her microphone walks out and the crowd boos him and he says go ahead i would boo me too and he says this goes back to ali getting hurt and kofi kingston stepping up and it should have been me kofi jumped through hoops and after 11 years he became an overnight sensation and it should have been me kofi came out of the elimination chamber match a star he won the title at wrestlemania it should have been him And every day Kofi has been champion, he has outperformed every critic, and everyone respects him, and it should have been me. And he says he has to beat him at Super Showdown, because he will become WWE champion, and the fans will love and respect him. I really didn't have any problem with what he was saying. It was just that he was on the verge of crying throughout all of it. That was a little jarring to me. Why is that? Uh, I didn't like it. I, I I hardly felt like I hated this guy by the end of this. If anything, it was like, oh, that's it's unfortunate. You, He's you too just, sympathetic, you, you think? Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't go that far, but it almost seemed like uh, th- this wasn't the promo to follow a heinous attack that you should have been disgusted at this individual over. I gave a very measured response, and I, I didn't feel like it was the... Uh, I think uh, it didn't fit the tone of the angle. I think the fact that you feel that way sh- should be commended. Uh, like Dolph Ziggler should be commended for making you feel that way. Because I think we, as we've seen with some of the best media, we talk about these Marvel movies all the time. The best villains are the ones that you understand that, you know, the, the, the best villains are the, are the villains who don't think they're the bad guys. So Dolph, in his mind, feels like he's been wronged. The 
the thing you should hate him for is how he acted on it rather than you know climb the ladder from the bottom to earn your title shot by by way of money in the bank or whatever he just went out there and you know violently attacked this person cheating using weapons and whatnot so um i but i think the motivation is 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 sound again like i'm i'm also thinking about this as okay they have three weeks in order to heat up dolph ziggler of all people for a title shot like what can they possibly do to make me even five percent of the way interested in something like this i thought this was about as much as dolph could have done personally well it's a quick program I'd be very surprised if this goes beyond Super Showdown. I don't know if the, this really has the legs to go any further than that. And to be honest, like there are quite a number of options for Kofi Kingston. I would I would be interested in a Randy Orton program with Kofi. I, I think that you can get, eventually get back to Daniel Bryan. Um, there's mm-hmm, it's there's it, there's a there's Andrade if they ever figure out how to build him up. Uh, there's heels on SmackDown, and you also have people on Raw that can always come over too. So I don't think it's such a shortage that. You have to be relying on Dolph Ziggler for anything more than a bridge to get you through this next show in two weeks. I agree with that. Uh, and I'm curious to see, you know, at Stomping Grounds, who he has and all the shows afterwards, who they have lined up for Kofi Kingston. Because I, I, you know, where you know where Stomping Grounds is? Where? Tacoma, Washington. Daniel Bryan, uh, Daniel Bryan country. Maybe Buff can come back. Yeah. Yeah. And say, Kofi, it should have been me. Uh, and and Shane McMahon can be his mouthpiece introducing the next rock buff Bagwell. But I do agree. I think after, you know, after going through the Owens program, now going through Ziggler, um, I think Kofi needs some real contenders, real challengers that you could really buy would are threats to his title, whether that be Randy Orton or, you know, maybe it's too soon to go back to Brian, but um, whoever, whoever I'd like to see afterwards after this program, a real contender. Where do you see Owens after this? Because if it looks like it's going to be a tag program with Zayn and Owens against a new day. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. And I think also worth asking a question is if, if Sami Zayn's going to be on the Saudi Arabia card. That's another great question. Yes. Um, yeah. What's your thought? I mean, he wasn't on the he last on one. The he first, was injured. He was, he was not one? on the first one. Oh, he, he was wasn't. not on the first one. They wrote him off so that he couldn't be in the battle royal because he had vertigo. And then Crown Jewel, he was injured, so that wasn't even an option. But now, in the first segment, they did note that Biggie has not been medically cleared yet, right? That was actually said in the promo. I don't know. I don't I think it was. Yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, it should be uh, pretty close if he hasn't actually been cleared yet. But that seems to be the direction we're going. But I guess it is a question worth asking if uh, Owens either gets a different partner or if they hold off on doing that till after, because that does feel like where they're going with at least getting a tag match out of Woods and Big E against Owens and Zayn or someone else. Yeah, I think at least on TV, you're going to get some iteration of, of that uh, program between Owens and Zayn and the New Day. Um, let's also keep in mind some of the other people that are on their way coming up, you know, it, like like a, like an Aleister Black who Kevin Owens might be a good first program for. And has was not on any television this week. No. No Shakespeare to quote. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder, maybe they're looking at saving him even for after Saudi Arabia, which would kind of suck because he's been waiting for a long time now. He was there. He was backstage. He was in a very funny uh, 
So yeah, scaring off Xavier Woods. Yes, from from checking out Zelina Vega. So maybe he, maybe he's going to be the twenty four seven champion. Oh God! Like the fact every time I bring this title up, it's just dread of who I attach to this division. Way I, I don't know if it's necessarily. Um, it's just bringing it's, concern to you as I bring up this division. No, it's dread because you're bringing up legitimate. The main eventers um, that, you know, could very well find their way uh, in that tier if they drastically fail and fall down to that level. But for people who are already at that level, I think it's fine. Uh, Where are we next? After the Ziggler promo, they ran a video on the history of Triple H versus Randy Orton. We start back... (laughs) 16 years ago, and I'm not exaggerating that figure, when they were in Evolution together, and then the big turn in 2004, which was really a great turn, with Randy Orton defending his world title the night after he beat Benoit, and he's on Batista's shoulders, Hunter gives the thumbs up, and then the thumbs down, and the most uh, the most important thing that ever happened in the history of the John Labatt Center in London, Ontario, was Randy Orton getting dropped and attacked by his evolution teammates and then from 2004 way we just skip a couple years to 2007 when they met at no mercy very long build and then we cut to wrestlemania in 2008 then we go to a heavily edited angle from 2009 where triple h is handcuffed to the rope and if you're really paying close attention you'll see stephanie mcmahon laying down out cold in the ring Uh, but they did not show what this segment was built up to, which was Hunter being handcuffed as Stephanie was unconscious and Randy kissed her in front of Hunter. Uh, That was not getting okayed for this highlight pack. And then, of course, nothing really um, cements a true hatred between individuals than a home invasion that we had in 2009 and... Cut to WrestleMania 25, and Hunter is standing tall, victorious over Randy Orton 10 years ago. They've been through a lot together. They have been through quite a lot together, but they have cooled off for a decade, so it is time to reignite that flame. Yeah, I mean, I think it tells you how much they exhausted that program um, to, you know, to, to know that much of that took place more than 10 years ago and yet it still feels like it's old and that we've it's still got it. a groan when this was announced by people even oh. though they have probably wrestled very sparingly in 10 years maybe also just kind of tells you about the quality of some of those matches that you know like these types of meetups aren't necessarily met with that level of enthusiasm whereas if you you know like wanted to do Shawn michaels versus the oh actually bad example they did that last year was not very good but um I was going to say Sean Taker. Anyway, um, how is this going to work, you think? Who plays babyface and who plays heel? That's right, because they're they're kind of in the midst, you can see, of of turning Hunter. But I feel Hunter's going to be the babyface in this match. I feel like Hunter's like more of a heel now than, he's ha- than he has been in several months. I think this is going to be Uncle Paul in the match. How are they going to do that? Because he recently uh, was the guy who brought Brock Lesnar in, seemed to orchestrate the attack on Sami Zayn. But that hasn't been revealed yet. It's heavily insinuated he, by, by, by Paul Heyman. It's been insinuated, but they haven't flat out done like the reveal and turning him like he's still, you know, he's still chumming up to Rollins and Kofi on Raw Monday night. So he's still playing that facade. But they also gave, though, they also made the match no DQ without telling the baby faces. 
Well, there's there's a little subtle hint at it. I mean, that doesn't necessitate a, a turn yet. I, I I also don't even look at this match as this even being connected to any storylines. It's just this is like an exhibition involving two characters. Yeah, we shall see. I mean, part this of is me- like Hunter and Cena at the the last uh, at the Saudi Arabia card. I think that was the first one last right. year. Perhaps I don't know. Part of me just just thinks that this will just be a whatever superstar versus superstar match, and it'll twenty five be- minutes. Or will it go short? Oh, uh, at least 20, I'm thinking. Oh, I'm not looking forward to that, but okay. Main event, Shane introduced Elias, and it's Elias versus Roman Reigns. Reigns gets sent shoulder first into the post, comes back from the commercial, and Reigns is making his comeback. He sets up for the Superman punch, and Shane distracts him, and he gets hit from a flying knee from Elias, and Reigns is put onto Elias's shoulders. He shifts him over into a sit-out powerbomb. I thought Elias executed this pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Reigns bounces off the ropes. He lands a Superman punch. And Shane uh, pretty effortlessly gets Reigns' foot onto the... Or Elias' foot onto the bottom rope. And the crowd is livid at this. You piece of shit. He had the match won. And Shane starts arguing with the referee and gets hit with the drive-by. Elias sends him into the post and the steps. Hits an elbow off the top. And then Elias takes the turnbuckle pad off, and Shane slides the guitar to the corner. He's distracting the referee as Elias grabs hold of the guitar. Rain stops him with a spear, pins Elias. The place goes nuts. And, hey, I I thought they pulled off a, a very good te- television match here. This audience, this was the loudest they were all show. Absolutely. That's something that definitely stood out to me beyond, you know, mo- most TV matches was just how hot this crowd was. And looking at, at the at the matchup, Elias versus Roman, I hardly believe that, it, you know, this match would achieve that. But they did. And and there's like, I can't really give a proper assessment because so much of this match seemed to take place in commercial. By the time they came back, though, like this, this audience was at, at a different level. So, you know, I'm sure you have to credit all three participants here, Roman, Elias. And Shane, who I think continues to be a very good, effective heel in these matches. Um, it feels Shane like- helped this, but I think Reigns was like, we saw him a few weeks ago, that match with the B team, that it, it, it worked for the crowd. Absolutely. Yep. You have to give him a lot of credit. So this turned seemingly into an incredible match live. Let's not say incredible. It, it seemed like the audience really enjoyed it. But it was, incredible, uh, it was in ter- incredible in terms of crowd reaction. I would say that because I, I, I would say a lot of SmackDown matches on TV don't get this type of reaction. When the Dunkin' Donuts Center DVD comes out, this will be on the playlist. Maybe. One, one of the greatest moments in the history of the building. <laughs> so this was uh, this was the uh, – what would be the donut comparison of this match? Was this a um, – Honey Crawler. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was very nice. Uh so that was SmackDown. Um, By the way, Drew oh Drew Drew McIntyre came out. Oh yeah, we forgot the post match. Shane attacks Reigns, and he grabs the guitar, but he stopped with a Superman punch. Reigns takes the guitar, and the crowd was really into this. They wanted to see Shane get nailed, and Drew shows up and hits the Claymore onto Reigns, and they stand over top, and that's how the show ends. So the idea is Shane is taking on Reigns at Super Showdown. But we expect Drew to get involved. And at some point, Shane's got to take a guitar shot, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's the match, right? Shane Shane and... It is Shane versus Reigns. That is the match for Super Showdown. Gotcha. All right. Well, I I quite enjoyed 
tonight's edition of SmackDown. By the time the main event came by, I I didn't even realize it had already been 9.45. So to me, I don't know for whatever reason, this show breezed by for me. I thought everything they did was pretty compelling and at least sensical for their future booking. Bailey came out looking strong. I think people will, will criticize Dolphin Kofi because it's something they've seen before. But again, I see it as a necessity. And with, with two weeks to go, I thought they did an amicable job with a, a, a good beatdown and a good promo from Dolph Ziggler. All right. The forum gave the show a 6.11. So this got a passing grade. Raw failed this past week. Paul from New Jersey. I don't mind a Kofi Ziggler feud. However, this it should be me angle is lame as shit. Dolph can't act to save his life. I'm still on the 24-7 title. R-Truth and Carmella did a good job. I was waiting for Carmella to smash Truth over the head. They said any superstar could hold this title. I'm sure that includes women. At any given TV taping, how many superstars do you think hang out and catering for the night? Over under 25. Hmm. I think that would be on the high end of talent that has, if he's insinuating, has nothing to do with the show. Well, let's think about men's and women's rosters, but um, I'm going to say under 25, but probably not that far off. I'm going to say more, maybe, probably as many as 15. Like I guess we- it depends when you add the 205 Live guys in, yeah. and you figure there's probably like two to three matches on 205 Live per week versus mm-hmm. who is actually there. Uh, what's Brian Kendrick doing every week? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it definitely includes women. Like the old hardcore title included women, so why wouldn't this? We go to Andrew from Cape Breton who says, My hope is that we just get John cutting Dolph Ziggler's promo in Dolph Ziggler's voice. If his voice See, cracks. Yeah. Listen, I, I was I was not a fan of his his delivery in this, but it wasn't the Dolph screaming promo that is the the bane of my viewing existence. If his voice cracks, it shows how much passion he has. I remember when John started doing that impression. I think it was 2016, and Dolph has cut the same promo ever since. I'm a bit more proud of WWE today. They went two shows literally having only four wild cards. Which, by the way, I, I did count. It was Drew, it was Lacey, it was Becky. And uh, Sami Zayn. Zane. Sami Zayn, yes. Uh, he says, uh, they went two shows literally having only four wild cards unless Dolph is on SmackDown. Seems to be the case. I guess he's on SmackDown now, and the Superstar Shakeup is still going on. The WWE 24-7 title segments need to have Benny Hill music attached to them. Maybe they could do the Scooby-Doo deal where they come in and out the doors. I don't remember them having all the random geeks running around with the hardcore title. At least Viscera and the Headbangers picked their spots. Oh well, six random geeks out of ten. Brandon from Oshawa. I feel the total opposite from everything Paul from New Jersey posted. I think Dolph Ziggler was tremendous tonight and cut one of his best and most intense promos to date. The it should be me angle totally fits in with this character he's portrayed up until now. That's very true. The guy's done nothing but complain for eight years about where his spot is. This is a guy that has spent years telling us that he's the best. And now he's had to sit at home and watch a guy that has pretty much been lower on the card for much of his run, getting a run with the title. I really enjoyed this, but Dolph has to change his look. He needs something else to go with or it'll be a two-week run, and he'll be nowhere after the international pay-per-view extravaganza, whenever that, wherever that show is taking place. I'm also in on the 24-7 title, but I didn't like the garbage with Truth and Carmella. I thought they did such a great job on YouTube with little vignettes of the Singh Brothers, Heavy Machinery, and Matt Hardy all strategizing, and they were fun segments. But we got nothing like that on this show. This is the kind of stuff I need more of to keep me interested in this title. You know, one thing to this 24-7 deal is as long as they're on this mandate of not uploading 
clips of Raw and SmackDown during the duration of the show when it's airing live, you could shoot a number of little uh, segments based around this title that you could still post on YouTube that's not ruining anything on the show that's also during the peak hours that people are going to be on that YouTube channel as well. They can, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'd love to see what creativity they can come up with to integrate um, segments on Twitter, um, which I think probably has an even bigger audience while Raw and SmackDown are going on, and on YouTube. Um, they certainly have the bodies in the back to to do a whole lot with it. So we'll see. Um, I don't know if Dolph has any intention of, or if they have any intention uh, specifically of giving Dolph anything more beyond this two-week run. To me, I just see him as like, you know, kind of a placeholder. And I don't know if Dolph is looking to be anything more than that at this point in his career. Um, I don't know if it's worth a haircut. <laughs> He's got to weigh the, the push versus the long-term effects of yeah. what a haircut would do for him. Well, we've seen his last haircut. It was not very good. I really <laughs> oh. went like silver or, oh man. Yeah, he dyed it. It was, um, yeah. Now, remember, he dyed it brown. He dyed, It was like a natural hair color that he had, I believe, at one point. Yeah, it was not good. Like years ago with Vicky. Yes. All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for tuning in to another uh, exciting edition of Rewind to SmackDown. Wayne and I will be back Wednesday night with the double shot. We're going to be chatting about many of the items that Wayne listed off of the top. So we look forward to tuning in or you tuning in to hear more of our wonderful voices. So you can sign up for the Post Wrestling Cafe and get that show, as well as our bonus MCU review on Friday, and lots of great stuff, uh, including uh, starting next week, we're going to start uh, uploading the, the full interviews that I conducted for the Owen Hart audio documentary. Those will be available to members of the Post Wrestling Cafe starting next week, so you can look out for those as well. We'll be putting all six of them up over the next couple of weeks, and I think that is it. Anything to close off with, Way? Uh, Catch you guys on the double shot. Goodbye.